sanctuary, a place of rest for the broken and weary, where you can let go, cause you're fully known, by forever daddy, oh how we love you so, I know it's time to feel Thank you for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator. some of you shocked God with that prayer. I think God looked at some of you and said, oh yeah, you? All right. God said, it's on like Donkey Kong. (laughs) Amen, amen. I'm so blessed to be here this morning, man. This this weekend, uh, it was uh, Friday, Friday, the coldest day of the year so far. I get a job to go work on a roof. So... So Friday, yeah, praise God, it's work, amen? That's right, Daniel. You're right, man. So Friday morning, man, I'm up on the roof of, of this building working, and, and I used some, I knew I was going to need some gloves, right? And so I found some old gloves that I had, and I was using those all day. And the problem is I found out why I never used those gloves, why I put them away. Because there's something about the leather, look. There's something about the leather in, that, in those gloves that when you, when you get hot, when you work up a little sweat, it dyes your hand completely. And so my hands were completely, completely, completely black. I mean, solid black, like weird black, just black, black. You, you, you understand? And so it, it was... Um, the, the, you know, I, I tried everything. I tried the grit. I tried the gojo. I tried the orange. I tried kerosene and Ajax. Somebody said kerosene will get it out. Right? I tried kerosene and scrubbed kerosene with Ajax. Skin came off, but the black stayed. I mean, it was just a stain that was deep into my hands. And, and I, I was self-conscious about it the rest of the day. Because, you know, I, I took a shower, I got clean, and, and I wanted to take my wife out Friday night. And, and I said, but honey, my hands, <laughs> they're dirty. And, and I started feeling self-conscious about it. You know, I couldn't stand to, to, to see them. And, and, you know, you're always looking at your hands. You're doing it, you're like, oh, man. And, and I'm thinking, man, people, you know, I'm, I'm meeting people, and I'm getting, and I'm like, who wants to shake my hand? They're going to be like. And then, I, I, you know, I, I even asked, I said, honey, is it all right? You know, can we, can, would you go to dinner with me with these hands? And she's like, come on, who cares? You know, so we go. But, but all the while, I was kind of embarrassed by my dirty hands. I mean, they were clean. They were cleaner than anybody's hands, probably. I had scrubbed the DNA off of those things, but... But they looked dirty, and, and so I was thinking, man, you know, would, would the, <coughs> the waitress be judging me? You know, with the people next to me that was sitting there, I wonder if they looked over and said, Papi, Papi, mira, look at his hands. How are you going to come to a restaurant with dirty hands like that? I was in a Spanish restaurant, so I figured, you know. How are you going to come with dirty hands like that to eat? Why don't he wash his hands? You know, I'm, and I'm thinking, there are probably people judging me and talking about me, and I'm, I'm still eating my steak, I don't care, but, but I was self-conscious about these hands, and so Saturday morning, you know, they're still black, but... My wife and I were talking about it, and I said, man, how often is it exactly the opposite? How often is it that we clean up everything on the outside? People on the outside look immaculate, right? And, and we look at people and we say, wow, man, look, that's a papi chulo right there. Or that, look, look at mommy over there. Wow, man, she got it going on, right? But, but I wonder how, how many times is it? The reverse, right? Like, you know, we dress up for church, some of us. And, you know, like by me and Mount Vernon, there is a church. Oh, my God. Everybody in there is gorgeous. I mean, gorgeous. They come out of these, these, these immaculate cars. And they come out with these immaculate outfits with hats, you know, like this. And the hat, you know, will have like a little flower hanging on it. But beautifully perfect, you know. 
And like, you know, they're just, it's just the way, you know, they even walk sideways, you know, because they're just, they're just beautiful people. You, you understand? And I mean, you, they stop traffic, really. They, they meet on Saturdays by me over there and they stop traffic because they're so gorgeous. Everybody, it's like a red carpet event, you know, everybody. Like, I wonder, like, if I went into that church, would they stop me? Even if I wore like my best jeans, you know, I, I wonder if I walked in, would they say, sir? Look at this sign. There's no ugly people in this church. Perhaps you'd maybe reconsider and go to the church down the block. I'm sure there's three more churches that'll accept you. But here, it's for beautiful people only, you know? And I, I, you know, I started thinking about it. They look so immaculate, so clean. Everything is so pressed and so beautiful. Everything matches so lovely. Right? The, the flowers match the shoes and they and match the embellishment on the thing. And then, the, oh, it's just amazing. I wonder if any of them are dirty on the inside. I wonder if they would see my stained hands and still shake my hand and greet me. I wonder if, if when I lifted my hands to worship and they, and they saw the black stains on them, I wonder if they would judge me. I wonder if they would talk about me. I wonder, do they love God or do they just like to look like they do? Because we live in a dirty place, man. There's dirty coming out of everywhere, right? Our politicians, our leaders, our sports heroes, right? They look so, so nice and clean and, and, and they got the family and the kids and the dog and the white picket fence and all the money in the world, but they're still sleeping with prostitutes. I mean, there's dirty coming out of everywhere. So I wonder how many appear so clean on the inside, but when the closet's open, whoa, whoa. They could bathe and perfume and dress up in the finest and look all pretty on the outside, but are they clean? And, and it, it brought me to mind when Jesus came to, to eat with the Pharisees, it says that he came and he sat right down and started eating. And the Pharisees were outraged and they started judging him. And they said, what kind of man of God is this that he would not wash his hands before he sits down to eat as was customary? And Jesus told him, he knew what they were thinking, and he says, man, you, you fools. Depending on what version you read, right? He says, you fools. You guys are careful to wash the outside of the cup, but the inside is dirty. He says, you're whitewashed tombs. Dirty, clean on the inside, but inside you're full of rotting bones. Forget about them, how about us? I wonder, do we really love God or do we just act like it here? Do we really worship or, or are we musicians acting like worshipers? Even though this morning I think we cleared that myth. We, I can't even use that one. I got to cut that one out. That was worship. That was. But, but do we just tune into this station on Sundays and the rest of the week? Who cares what we listen to? Do we love the words that we're singing or just the music that we're hearing? I'm afraid this morning I have more questions than answers for you. Is that all right? Because I was thinking, do we love the freedom of Christ in this church? Or do we just like that we're accepted no matter how we come in? So are we really that radical or are we just like to be rebellious? Come on, where am I fitted to church? Not that we see anything wrong in it here, but are we really that radical or, or do we just like to be rebellious? Do we believe what's in the word or do we just tolerate it and tune out what we don't like? Question. Do we want to be the children of God or do we just want his inheritance? See, I want to continue from last week's theme with a part two today in a message titled, Do What It Says. Do what it says. 
because I've been reflecting really heavy these past few weeks. And this time of the year for me as a pastor, I start thinking and start worrying. Have I covered everything that I should have covered this year? Was it complete? You know, are people being discipled to the extent that they can be on a Sunday morning? Are people growing? Are people showing change? Are they, are they being uh, uh, taught? Are they being empowered? Are they being released? Is somebody being stretched? Are we where we should be and are we who we should, we are, you know, we should be as a church? See, because one of the fears is that somewhere along the line, without even realizing, we start entertaining versus training. Just sharing my heart with you if that's all right this morning. We start enrolling versus enlisting. Somewhere along the line, we start putting on a show versus showing God. We start preaching for people rather than preaching for kingdom. Let me tell you what the difference there is. You see, it's real easy to say things that people want to hear. I think I've, I've been here long enough to know what excites you. And it's easy to preach to people. I could rattle off a list of God's promises. I, I could tell you, man, you can do all things in Christ Jesus. All things work together for good to those that love God. He who began a work in you is faithful to bring it to completion. And you could get all excited. And rightfully so. Because those are his promises. But And I, I could tell you about God's provision. Like how just this month I was, I was, I was caught up and I found myself worrying that <coughs> I wasn't going to have enough finances to pay, to, to even pay the bills for me, for my house this month. Forget about Christmas, but how God in the, in the, in the, just the right on time moment revealed to me that I already had, he has already provided for me what I needed for this month. And so two days before my daughter's 20th birthday the other day, there was money in my account that I was able to take her out and bless her for her birthday. And there was excess in my account that I was able to, to take care of everything this month and have excess. Somebody say amen. See, I could tell you how God supplies. I could tell you how excited I was that this morning I get to drop a big tithe check. And I wish I could see the, the, the counter's face. But where did Pastor get this money from? But see, I could tell you all about my Jehovah Jireh, my provider, and you could get all riled up. And well, you should because he is. And I could tell you about the plans, the promises, the provision, and the plans that God has for you. I can tell you how he has plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And before you know it, we'll be bringing everybody and their cousin to the church. And the church could overflow overnight. And well, it should because that's all true. But the Bible warns against doing only that. You with me? 2 Timothy 4.2 says, preach the word. The Amplified adds, keep your sense of urgency. That got me excited. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths and mirages. I want to tell you this morning, there are churches preaching myths and mirages. There are churches preaching there's no hell. There's no devil. Sin is relative. Sin is what you think it is. If, if you don't think it's sin, then it's not sin for you. And if it's not sin for you, then God won't judge you on that sin. Isn't that wonderful? How convenient. 
I, I believe we need to go into every one of those places and tell them to shut that hell up. Amen? They need to shut that hell up. Because if the word of God says sin, then it's sin. And if the word of God says there's only one way, then there's only one way. And I don't care what anybody else tells you. I don't care what's legal or not in your state. It doesn't matter how you feel about it, what your thoughts are about it. The word is the word and the word says that I need to preach the word. Amen. And so I have to get to the point where I love God more than I care about you loving me. And there you know. That's how you know. Preach the word. Correct, rebuke, and encourage. And if any of you know me, you know encouraging is my favorite. Encouraging is my favorite. I love to encourage people. But listen, you can encourage someone without the whole truth. And when you encourage someone without the whole truth, they end up trying to sing on American Idol and making complete fools of themselves. Right? Talking about, my friend always encouraged me that I could sing. My mama told me that I could sing. Listen, baby, if if they were your real friends, they would have told you, sweetheart, take up an instrument or something. Because you couldn't hold the note if it had a handle. But sometimes the truth offends people. And and it offends people to the point where they talk about you and they walk away from the church. And I would hate for that to happen, but at least I know that you'll walk away knowing the truth, whether you accepted it or not. And as long as I did it with the gentleness and love of God, I'll rejoice because I know that the word says God's word will not return to me void. Amen? So while we might dwindle down to two or three worshipers, amen, I know that the seed has been planted and the seed's going to come back to me multiplied. Amen? Because we got to build his kingdom and not ours. I love Martin Luther used to say, the great reformist, he used to say, the word of God is a lion that can't be tamed. We just need to release him. Let it go. It will chase after you. It has nails. It'll claw into you. It has teeth. It'll bite into you. We just need to release the word of God. Amen? For too long, we've been trying to take the word of God's teeth out and domesticate it. And so it's gumming people and it's not doing nothing. And that's why some of us don't take the word of God seriously. We, we take it for granted because it's so gentle and soft on us. But the word of God is raw. Amen? It's raw. If some of you would read it, you'd be, you'd be blown away. Some of you might be scandalized by reading the word of God. You'd be like, what? He slept with who and shot who and killed who? It's better than some of your novellas that you watch. There's definitely more scandal in there than that. <laughs> See, the truth is God loved you and me while we were still ungodly. That's true. And the truth is that we can come to God just the way we are. Just the way we are. And that's true. But the truth is also that God loves you too much to let you stay that way. Amen? So while here we accept you and we love you and you come any way you want, there's going to come a point in time where the word of God is going to, you're going to come head on with the word of God and you're either going to have to make a change. You're going to have to go left and go right. Amen. Because anything goes, it doesn't, this is not a place where anything goes and we need to stop taking the reverence of God for granted. Amen. Matthew 7, 12 says, here is a simple rule of thumb guide for behavior. Listen to this. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you and then grab the initiative and do it for them. Adding up all of God's laws and prophets and this is what you get. Being and doing. I love that. Being and doing. Look with verse 13. Don't look for shortcuts to God. 
The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff, even though crowds of people do. The way to life, the way to God is vigorous and requires total attention. The road to God is vigorous and requires total attention. You can't be a Christian part-time. You can't be a Christian on your spare time. It requires total attention. If you wanted to hear it in a more traditional way, I'll give it to you in the King James. Answer ye at the straight gate, because wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Wow, that doesn't seem like a God that'll just tolerate anything you want. Amen? The message says being and doing. I love that. It's about being, knowing who the word of God says you are, and then doing what it says. And you see, the more, the more that I've come to understand the word, I've come to an understanding, listen, Deep and profound. Extreme revelation. I've come to the point to realize God loves me. That may sound silly to you, but I've come to realize God loves me. And, and the problem with that is that we haven't had too many good examples of love. And we throw that around. I love ice cream. I love shoes. I love this purse. I love this, right? And so love kind of doesn't carry much weight. But, but let, me, let me explain something to you. When somebody loves you, they are really not looking for you to fail. This is so heavy and profound. I pray that you would receive it. Let the wise understand. When somebody loves you, he's not looking for you to mess up. When somebody loves you, they're not looking for you to fall short so they can punish you. When someone loves you, they will do anything they can to help you succeed. Oh, wow. What a picture of God. What a picture of God. Would you guys take him out of the the crazy outfit with the whip and the firebolts? When, when somebody loves you, they will do anything they can to help you succeed. Because they love you. The word says, God is love. And, and, and you've heard this before. Let me give it to you again. 1 Corinthians 13. Love, if God is love, what is love? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It's not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Listen, please hear this. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Wow. God loves me. And love always protects. See, we all had that red at our weddings, but on the inside we said, you do anything stupid and I'll never let you forget it. Just me and Eric. (laughs) They they read that at all your weddings, right? I'd say nine out of ten of your weddings, they read, love is patient, love is kind. And you just sat there thinking, when is this going to be over with? Oh, my God, I can't believe I'm actually married. Oh, my God, look how this one looks. Oh, my God, you believe what Titi wore to the wedding? I can't believe she's wearing that red dress. Oh, my. But while 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 Pastor was reading, you know, love is patient. While Pastor was giving you the best advice of your life for your marriage, the best thing, the only thing you needed to know for your marriage, he was reading it, and you was talking about Titi's dress. You start practicing some of these characteristics in your marriage, in your relationships, you will see a whole new person come forth. 
Because God gave us marriage to, to, to train us in how to be the bride. To train us in how to be more like him. Did you know that? Some of you think God gave you marriage to punish you. God gave you marriage to torture you. To make your life miserable. <laughs> to make your house a living hell. Not none of you guys, but you know, I've heard that before. And so God is this love. And so God loves me. When you get to the realization God loves me, then you know, man, there's always somebody in my corner. And so if he loves me and he doesn't want me to fail and he doesn't want me to fall short and he doesn't, he's not looking, he's not walking around like this. This is how you see God, a lot of you. Come on. That's bad. That's going to leave a mark. This, and, 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 but but the, the, you have to look at it the other way. Say, no, no, no. God loves me. And so that means God is always speaking to me. God is always trusting me. God is always empowering me. He's protecting me. He's, he's giving me ideas. He's, he's telling me, no, no, don't go this way. Don't go this way. Turn, turn. And, and when we go in our own stubbornness and end up here, and then we say, God, why? Why did you let this happen to me? And God going to say, Papi, I was trying to tell you don't go there. But you went there anyway. But come on, I'm going to help you get out of there. But come on, I'm going to help you get out of there. Because I love you. And, and, and it says, he keeps no record of wrongs. The word says when we confess our sins, they're thrown into the sea of forgetfulness. He's faithful and just to forgive us. So I say amen. <coughs> but you see, when it comes to God, he's kept up his side. His love hasn't failed. I can testify to that. It protects, it trusts, it hopes, it perseveres. But I can't talk to you about his promises, his provisions, and his plans without mentioning the precautions and the preparations that are required on our part. See, we need to do more than just hear the word of God. We need to do what it says. And so I want to end today with two challenges. These are two challenges that I believe are going to rock your world. But they're not for the soft. They're not for the flaky. They're not for the domingueros that come just on Sunday, get the hallelujah on, and then go home and live like the devil the rest of the week. This is for hardcore only. So the rest of you could tune out, and you probably did already anyway. Two challenges. The first one, I, I, you have to get to the understanding that you can't do what it says if you don't know what it says. Okay? So the first thing we need to do is read it. Did you know, here's a fact I just came across. Check this out. Did you know that the average person can read the entire Bible in 80 hours? That's the average person. That's not the smart ones like some of you. Some of you might be 90 hours, but you know, just playing. It says the average person can read the entire Bible in 80 hours. Now that's how long it takes to read the entire Bible for the average person. So I did a little math, and if you break that down, that's 4,800 minutes. So if you have 4,800 minutes and you break it into 365 days, that would mean it would only take 13 minutes a day to read the entire Bible in a year. 13 minutes a day. Do we really have any excuse for not knowing it? Do we? See, God, God is not concerned with our, uh, um, what did I say before? God is not concerned with what we have, with who. He's concerned with our willingness. And really what this comes down to is I'm willing to invest some time in finding out what this God that I'm always asking for things and that I'm always complaining about and this, and this God, it takes me 13 minutes a day to find out what it is that he has for my life. 
Do you know that there's promises in there that you can't claim because you don't know? This, you, we should get with the lawyer mentality and get in. I'm going to find out everything that he has for me. I'm going to get in there and find out everything. If things shouldn't be happening to me, it's because I don't know that they shouldn't be happening to me. If things are, if I'm getting myself in situations, it's because maybe I don't know that I'm not supposed to be in those situations. But if I get to the, to the source and if I find the instruction manual for my life, for my spirit, for this body, for this time on earth, maybe I'll stop getting myself into the things that I get myself into. Amen? I mean, let's not be, you know, uh, foolish about it. Some of you know what not to do and you're still doing it, but that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother message. Amen? So, 13 minutes a day, if it matters, I want to challenge you to start that with me in the beginning of this year. 13 minutes a day, we as a body will read the entire Bible together. By the end of the year, everyone in here that was part would have read the entire... Wouldn't that be crazy? I'd really have to watch what I preach because you guys would know. Right? Then, then, I, I can't, then I can't start, you know, quoting uh, 2 Timothy 16. says, wait a minute. I can't start quoting, making up books because you guys would know. If I say, listen, in the book of imaginations, it says that you need to give your pastor every day, you need to slip him $20. Every day, the book of imaginations says that. You guys would not know. You think you're out of God's will if you're not putting money in my pocket. But now, by the end of the year, you guys would know. Amen? So that's my first challenge. See, if all we know about the word are other people's sermons, we're anemic and misinformed. Because if all you're getting are my sermons, you're only seeing God the way I see God. And, and not that there's anything wrong with that, but that's the way I see God. And that's the way he's dealt with me. And I hope you guys know that I'm not perfect. I hope you know that I'm not infallible like God. I hope you know that I have my shortcomings and insecurities. And so I look at, I look at the word through a certain set of glasses because of my experiences. Amen? And so you could see things that I don't see in there. And that's the beauty of community. That's the beauty of us coming together and knowing, man, and, and sharing the word and hearing it in the worship and hearing it in the, in the message time and hearing it with, with everything. Amen? <clears throat> if all we do is listen, then we're spiritually out of shape. The word says we need to do what it says. We need to walk it out. Amen? Fam, I don't want any of you heading in the right direction, but ultimately missing the mark. And that's really my concern as your pastor. I don't, do you know that, that in, if, if, if you don't keep your eyes on the prize, and if you don't stay focused on the goal, that, because it, it's, we don't know how far away it is, right? Reasons would come when we would meet God, some of us sooner than, than later, right? And, and so if we don't keep our eyes on the prize, we could be heading in the right direction, but we could just be off by a little bit, just a little bit. And before we know it, by the time we miss the mark completely, do, do you see that? We can miss the mark completely. We could be heading in the right direction, but miss the mark completely. Family, I don't want anyone missing the mark. I want you to read it and do what it says. Second challenge. Those of you that are tuned out, good night. I hope you have good dreams. The second challenge I have for you will also take place at the start of the new year. I'm, I'm telling you now because I want you to begin to prepare yourselves with me. Because come January 3rd, after lunch. That's grace that I have because the other church will start sooner. So I'm showing you grace. Come January 3rd. That's a Sunday morning, we'll meet, we'll worship, we'll rejoice, we'll have an awesome time, and then we'll go out to lunch, everybody will eat lunch like they normally do on Sunday, but after Sunday, that's it. Somebody say, uh-oh. That Sunday, I'm inviting you to take part with me on a corporate fast. 
There are going to be thousands, I'm not exaggerating, thousands of other people from other churches all around the world participating in the Daniel fast for 21 straight days. Before any of you pass out, we're not going to not eat for 21 days. So, tune back in. Everybody's like, whatever. They crank the iPod up higher. No, it's a modified fast, and I'll, I'll be talking to you about it. It's called the Daniel Fast. I'll explain where it comes from. I'll teach you about it. We'll have materials on the website, and we're going to have a blog on our website so we can journal about it and encourage one another and, and, and really, amen? Yeah. How many of you remember that we got to know each other a lot last year through the, through the fast? We used to talk to each other during the emails, right, during the blog, and then come in and say, who is this person? Who's Lydia? Who's Maria? Who's this? And, and when we try to find out who everybody was, and we say, oh, sister, but we already, like, knew each other in spirit because we've been struggling this week and sharing recipes and sharing things that we can eat on the fast. Amen? So the physical outcome of this fast is going to be a cleansing for our bodies. We're going to be healthier. We're going to be stronger. We're going to have more energy. We're going to lose some bad weight. We're going to feel better. The spiritual outcome of this fast is going to be a cleansing of our minds, a cleansing of our hearts. We're going to feel stronger when it's done. We're going to, we're going to be, be, be growing. We're going to be better. We're going to have a clearer communication with God. I believe it. And if you did it with me last year, you know it's true. We start having visions. God starts speaking to us. We start having dreams. We start seeing provision. We start going through really, really, really hard, ugly times. And then we see how God delivers them, us from them. And it's incredible. So we're going to be able, the, the, the um, scientists and, and, and psychologists and those, they say it takes 21 days to make a habit or 21 days to break a habit. So we're going to start some things that we've wanted to do for years and we're going to stop some things that we wanted to stop for years. And, and we're going to be able, empowered to do it through this fast. Somebody say amen. So would you believe that with me? You know, Friday, what I was doing on the roof, we were changing some drains. And, and so eventually what I had to do that when we finished everything was to tar everything. And nobody else wanted to touch the tar, so they said, you do the tarring. Have you ever worked with tar? It's the nastiest thing ever. You can't stay clean when you work with tar. Tar is, is, is nasty. It's filthy. When you get tar on you, you can't wipe it off because it just smears. So anywhere, at one point, I turned to my partner. He looked at me. He started laughing. It's because I had a big speck of tar right on my nose. And I said, whoa, what happened? And I went like that, and now my whole nose was black. Tar is, is, is vile stuff. When you get dirty with tar, you get dirty everywhere. And I kept thinking tar is the best picture of sin that I've ever experienced. Except that sin is on the inside. See, tar, you can't get off on your own. You need help getting it off. We can keep on putting family. We can keep on putting up our fake smiles. We can keep dressing up our wounds. We can keep looking like we all got it together on the outside. But inside, we continue to feel dirty. We'll continue to feel inadequate. We'll continue to feel like... We can't worship, like we can't step out, like we can't step into the ministry that we feel God is calling us in. We'll continue to feel like, well, I can't really pray that way. I can't really sing that way. And that's just because of the dirt that we have that we feel inside. Anybody agree with me? Anybody been there? Well, church, I want to help you get clean. And I want you to help me get clean. Because the word says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Amen? And so, would you stand with me today and accept the challenges that I've laid before you? To read God's word through this coming year. 
13 minutes a day. We're going to probably put it on a website and it'll be a, 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 a plan that would just go off on the website and you'd have your own where you check off what you've done. And, and when you miss a day, you got to get back and catch up that day. And to start out the new year, this is going to be a tough one for a lot of us. <coughs> Can we make a commitment to start out the new year not drunk and intoxicated and incoherent? I know that was a tough one for a lot of us. We're like, but come on, that's what I do, New Year's. Come on. I usually don't come awake until the third. I don't even remember the ball dropping or anything. I'm, I'm, it's, it's, right? How many of you know if you start the new year that way, you're behind the eight ball the whole rest of the year? If you started that way, you're behind the whole rest of the year. You, you didn't even start it right. And, and you know, when you don't start something right, it usually doesn't go right. Amen? And so all I want to do, I want to help you. The reason we go through, I mean, we've had some beautiful New Year's bashes. Amen? Right? Even back when our church was like 30 people, there was 200 people here for New Year's. We're like, where do these people come from? But, but I realized that people want... To start the new year a different way. You've started it with Johnny Walker for 10 years and it didn't work. You've started it with Jack. Right? And so it's time to start it with Jesus. Amen? And, and see if it makes a difference. If it doesn't make a difference, next year you still got Jack and Johnny. You could go right back to Jack and Johnny next year. Amen? But Jesus is free, and I believe Jesus is going to make the difference in, in our lives. So those of you that are standing, I hope it's not because you needed to stretch, but I hope it's because you're saying, I want to start the new year off. And I'm doing this today because, you know, the, the last two weeks we got a Christmas presentation, and we got, you know, and then all the people that don't regularly come to church are going to come. And so, you know, I needed to do it today. This is my last time with you guys, kind of. Right? Because now your cousins are going to come next week and the week after for the Christmas. All those people that want nothing to do with church, but they're just making you happy. They're going to come, right? The people that come for Christmas and Easter. And we're going to pray for them that God will, that, that it will change this year, that pattern. We're going to pray that way, amen? But, but I needed to speak to my family here today. So I'm telling you now for next year so that we start getting ready, amen? So if you're standing, would you just give God, man, would you rejoice? Pastor Gary, Pastor Gary, would you come and just, let's pray over. Come on, Gary. Let's, we're not going to end in worship. We're going to end in prayer tonight, today. And let's just pray that this is real, that this ain't emotion, that this ain't phony stuff, that, that just pray over them. You guys can come. Amen. In my prayer times, I keep seeing the people in this church that there's a new season of blessing and promotion coming. But it's going to take making a stand. See, it's not cheap and it's not free. You know, and it's going to cost you your life, your heart. It's going to cost you everything. See, otherwise I'm up here for nothing. It's more than fasting. It's even more than committing to the Word. It's saying what Pastor George said before. I'm going to live the songs that I sing. The things I sing about, I'm going to live them every day. I'm not going to be a hypocrite anymore. I'm not going to be a saint on Sunday and an, uh, and an undercover devil on Monday. You see, if there's anything this world hates, it's hypocrisy. Other, otherwise, the churches would be filled. But the, but the world knows that those church people... are the ones that are doing the bad stuff when nobody's looking. People laugh when I tell them about Jesus. But what about, what about this pastor I know? What about all those church people that sit with me in the bar and get drunk and sleep around, and then Sunday morning they're all dressed up? See, it's, that's, that's got to come to an end, and it's going to stop right here, right now. Before I pray, I, I want to get a little more radical. If you're saying today, that's me. I, there's no more hypocrisy in me. 
the same person I am here on Sunday morning, I'm going to be that through the week in my school, in my job. The way that I talk here in church, that's how I'm going to talk in my job. The, thing, the way I treat people in church, when I go home, I'm going to love them the same way. You can't be one way in here and go out there and put condoms in your pocket just in case. So if that's you, if you're saying, I'm going to walk in blessing in this year, I want all that God has, but I'm, I'm ready to take that stand that Pastor George spoke about. I'm going to call you forward. You don't have to say anything, do anything. But as a sign before God that he can trust you with the promotion, that he can trust you with the financial blessing, that he can trust you with that, with that husband or wife that you've been praying for. I'm going to ask you just to come here. Let's just make a stand today. See, that's what church is all about. It's no more fake, phony stuff. young people make a choice young people make a choice you see we gotta come to a point where we're not where our life is no longer about trying to get as close to sin as I can without getting over the line it's about saying God you can have my life my heart my emotions my mind everything I am is yours God isn't that what we're always singing about? But we're not going to be a church that's known for hypocrisy. This is going to be a church that's known for a company of prophets, for the army of God, for, the, for people who walk with pure heart in holiness, set apart for the made holy for the master's use. So Father, I just pray right now, just lift your hands to heaven. Whether you're standing here or there, if you're making this commitment, if you're taking this challenge today, there's no more phoniness in me. I want the real Jesus. But you gotta take the whole Jesus. Oh, I, I don't like the Jesus of, of holiness. I like the Jesus of dancing and singing. No, you got to take the whole thing. It's a whole package. So, Father, I pray right now over those who are standing, Lord God. You know our hearts, Lord God. And as we lift our hands to you, Lord God, we make a commitment before you, Lord God that there's no more hypocrisy in us no more. No more fakeness, no more phoniness, Lord God. We're not putting on a show, Lord God. But we commit to you, Lord, that we will walk in your ways. We will live according to your word, oh God. In Jesus' name, Father, I just ask right now, for those who have truly committed, Lord God, I release blessing, I release promotion, I release increase. I say over you that you are with and not without, that you live in the overflow of the abundance of heaven. In Jesus' name, I decree over you that nothing is going to hold you back anymore. I, I speak wholeness over your mind, over your emotion, over your marriage. In Jesus' name, the fullness of heaven is yours. But it's only for those who walk uprightly, not perfect, as Pastor George said. 
Don't look at me. I, I fail on many occasions. Don't let me fool you. Don't let Pastor George fool you. We mess up. But it's about your heart. It's about every day coming back to God and saying, I choose life. I choose to serve you, God. So, Father, we thank you, Lord God. We thank you for these, Lord God, who are your true representatives, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Let's just bless him. Let's thank him for what's ahead, for the new season. We're going to leave the old behind. We're leaving the depression behind. We're leaving poverty behind. We're leaving broken marriages behind. We're leaving it all behind. And we're pressing in in this new year. Just taking a new season. Many of you, you're tired of the old stuff. You're tired of the failure. No, we just say, I just say over you that season is over. It's over in Jesus' name. And Father, we thank you. And I just release the blessing. Now, receive blessing. Take it. Right now, receive the blessing of God. It's yours. It's yours. The prosperity of heaven. The joy and the peace. It's yours. In Jesus' name. Welcome home to the sanctuary. A place of rest for the broken and weary. Where you can let go. Cause you're fully known. by forever, Daddy. Thank you for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator. us.